Hey, I'm R. Allen Brooks. And I'm Dele Johnson, editor and producer of Your Favorite Podcast. Yeah, How Art is Born. You see the name back there. So Dele, uh, 12 years ago, I was uh, dating a woman who was part of a family where the father had been famous briefly in the 70s. Mm -hmm. um, and they were still living under the shadow of that once famous time. Yeah. And it was weird because they were super... Uh, materialistic they were very like trying to decide if people were important enough to be talked to mm -hmm. and if they didn't think that you were of the class that they should respect they would treat you with disrespect yeah uh, obviously the relationship didn't last long no but, and but for good reason definitely yes uh and uh their area of fame had been in music so with them i met uh i went to an event and met a few people who were way more famous mm -hmm. way more wealthy and those people were nice. And I thought, well, how, how ridiculous to be like semi-famous and to be a dick to people. Right. But I, but I know that we've all heard these stories of people who uh, buy into the world of celebrity and uh, treat people poorly. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that brings me to uh, today's guest, Derek Hodge. Now, he, he's done so much stuff. Um, He's worked with so many famous people. He's famous in his own right. He has Grammys, uh, Oscars. Yeah. He he was uh, the conductor of the orchestra in the pit at the Oscars ceremony. See, like, yeah, like, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Is right? elite. He's worked with these top forty musicians. Uh, he's done so much stuff, and he shows up to the interview just as like a dude, you know, very sincere, very uh, connected. And none of that uh, pretense or bullshit that goes along with a lot of like uh, celebrity stuff. Absolutely. And you know, as I as my work as a writer kind of takes me into more of those arenas with uh, people who are famous or used to be famous or on their way to fame, it's a uh, it's refreshing to see the communities of people within that world who are choosing not to buy into the the falsehood of celebrity mm -hmm. and who want to make real connections and contribute positive and beautiful things to the world. And I would say uh, Derek Hodge, he fits very squarely into that category of people who want to create beautiful and loving contributions to the world. And that really came through in the interview and I, I just, uh, I really enjoyed talking to him. I love having those interviews where uh, I feel renewed afterwards, you know? Yeah, it was it was amazing to, to sit and, and listen to the conversation you guys are having, how he works through fear, uh, the level of like investment and and passion that he put into his work and into himself um and yeah he he's had a great journey and he's you know, he mentions his mom being in the same choir as patty labelle right like right. he's he's been around the stardom for a long time and he has done amazing things and has still came in here humble and warm yeah yeah, he comes from a powerful musical pedigree. Yeah, and he's really out and around here in Denver. He's yeah. he's sitting in on shows with Adam Deitch. Right. Um, he's doing events at Kuvo. Yeah. Um, so he's he's out here in in the Denver community, despite uh, the level um, right. that he's at musically as a professional. So that's it's really cool to see. I think you guys are gonna really enjoy this one. I, I think uh, the conversation is. Uh, uniquely inspiring so uh check it out i'll say uh just remind you that 
we want more people to listen. Uh, Daily works hard on uh, producing and editing these podcasts. So, you know, it'd be lovely if you share it with other people, tell a friend to tell a friend, uh, leave comments and ratings on whatever streaming service you listen to this on, even if you watch on the YouTube, all that stuff helps. So, um, yeah, anything you can do to, to share, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys for listening and supporting. Yes, thank you very much. Right on. All right, check it out. It's a good one. See ya. Welcome to How Art is Born, a podcast from the Museum of Contemporary Art Denver about the origins of artists and their creative and artistic practices. I'm your host, R. Alan Brooks, artist, writer, and professor. Today I'm joined by composer, musical director, band leader, producer, bassist, and advocate, Derek Hodge. Say hello. How's it going, brother? Great to be here. Right on, man. It's good to have you. Thank you. All right, so, uh, you know, we, we had this conversation about, like, what is, what, what's your journey? Like, what, the two questions I like to start with generally are, what was the first time that art ever really spoke to you? Mm-hmm. And then what was the first time that you knew you wanted to create art? You know, it also, it kind of goes hand in hand, man, if, 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 <laughs> if you let my mother tell it. Well, he's been playing professionally since in the womb. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Why? He, was, he was working from the womb. Wow. <laughs> uh, but quite honestly, yeah, it's all connected for me. Um, yeah. My journey started uh, with my mother. Okay. Uh, West Philadelphia, went to Beulah Baptist Church. 50th and Spruce, she was on the same choir as Patti LaBelle. Oh, wow. Different people. And for me to stay out of trouble, she would sit me on the front row nice. while she sang in the choir. Yeah. And she happened to sit me in front of the bass player. Huh. And I'm telling you, like, that ended up being so much for me. That informed my decision making for years to come. And I just didn't know it at the time. I was huh. only five years old. But uh, I just knew I wanted to be like Joel Ruffin. The way uh-huh. the bass spoke to me, the bass guitar, um, I just knew I wanted to do that. Right. You know, and, and the, just the power of that sound that stuck with me, even though we didn't have any instruments or anything like that at the time, I bugged my mother about wanting to do it. Huh. And she became my biggest influence because she said, hey, let's do it. We don't have the instruments at the time. Let's start in the school system, you know? And yeah. I got, that's how I got into school band, just so I could have access to a bass. Huh guitar and it was too big for my body at the time so i started on guitar so how old were you playing around uh, i start so by that point i was six so in the first grade okay. i started the band yeah and the bass was too big for my body so i started <laughs> on guitar and then when i turned seven i wow i switched over to electric bass and you know i've been playing it ever since and quite honestly that moment where i felt like hey i can do this or i want to do this when i really think back that moment never came when i realized it was just I always fed that curiosity yeah. young. It just felt like, oh no, this is what I, I should like be there. doing. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. about the bass specifically spoke to you? You know, when I think back now, I, it's, first of all, he was amazing. Yeah. And uh, I found out later in life, you know, how he actually influenced some of the best known bassists who ever come out of Philly. Oh. Like, yeah, he was just incredible. Yeah. Uh, so there was that, just his exceptional way of playing. But I think just being in close proximity to it. Mm-hmm. proximity to the sound and um something about that emotion it, it it just spoke to me in a way and i think it influenced me in a way where no matter what when it comes to skill set and learning an instrument like always trying to be in tune with how something feels yeah it started i think because of that just being so close to that bass amp it was wow. like probably seven feet from me wow and loud because the church right. is huge right you know so 
so much of that, like that informed if, if things didn't feel a certain way and didn't speak to me. Mm. I just, no matter how impressive it might have seemed to many, yeah, I it, I just wouldn't gravitate to it. So I hmm. think just by coincidence, you know, in circumstances, being exposed to it. Yeah, it's such a central uh, instrument to a lot of black music, especially. Yeah, when 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 you were playing in school bands, you said mm -hmm. you started a band when you were, I, or started in band. I started in band. Okay, yeah. So was, was that was that like what kind of music did they have you playing? Then was it like classical or? Yeah, well, at that time, I, so I did. I wasn't in the orchestra yet. I was in concert band, so it was a lot oh, okay. of concert band music. Yeah. You know, early brass, fugal type stuff. You know, and which is. I don't want to say basic, but just, you know, kind of regimented, yeah. kind of simple playing. But I had access to the instrument. Yeah. And that was the coolest thing because of that. Um, and also growing up in a hotbed of talent around me. You know, right. my best friend was a bass player. Uh, they paired me with his brother, you know, who lived two streets behind me. Ty okay. Tribbett. It's like this gospel oh, yeah, artist. Yeah. I know. And we yeah. started playing together and just because I had access to instruments, yeah. you know, and then... Being a, I think just having access to it and being in the band that allowed me to really cultivate that sound. So it wasn't even just about being in the band. It was afterwards. Sometimes the teacher just letting us jam out and yeah. figure things out. That ended up being kind of the backdrop to so many things. My entire creative life. Yeah. What do we do after that structured moment is over? Hmm. What do we do with this information? You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so this is a real side thing. Uh, yeah. We both had the uh, black church upbringing in common in those mm -hmm. early days. Uh, you you familiar with Andre Crouch? Oh, absolutely, okay. man. So I just discovered that they made a comic why do people book. Why do people answer offended when it's an artist they know? <laughs> right. Do right. I know Andre? How dare you? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I could have been like, what you know about this? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then that, that reaction would have been right. Do I know? <laughs> <laughs> Who you asking? Right, right. <laughs> I just discovered that uh, back in the seventies, they did an Andre Crouch comic book. Is that right? Yeah, and it's like uh, like when he was like in his prime, and it has him like touring and like all the people being like, "That's gospel music," you know. That's incredible, man. So for people who aren't familiar, just people who are listening, like Andre Crouch uh, was like super talented uh, gospel musician who broke into the pop and R and B world in a lot of significant ways in the seventies and. Uh, yeah, so y'all can look them up if y'all want to. But there's an underground Legend. comic. Yeah. That, yeah. I would have never thought that. Right, right. You know, and of course the comic book is my world. So I was like, yeah. yo, I found out on this site that just had old school comics. And I was like, Andre Crouch? For real? See? Anyway. That's incredible though, man. Yeah. Like, brilliance. <laughs> brilliance. Okay, so you're, you're doing the school thing. Uh, it's a little more regimented, a little more uh, simplistic, but you're getting your kind of foundation. Absolutely. So yeah. what was kind of the next step? Where'd you, where'd you move into? So it was always that balance, you know, um, as a friend of mine, he says like, you know, you take two sets of notes yeah. always, you know what you're being taught and then how it applies to your real world. Uh -huh. And for me, from six years old, seven years old, you know, I was very blessed to be, you know, surrounded in that hotbed of, uh, hotbed of town. We yeah. moved to Willingboro, New Jersey. Okay. And that's where I joined the band. And because of all the musicians around me, that helped cultivate, you know, so much. Like my friends were playing in church yeah. at really young ages. And they were also like in the bands and orchestras with me going all the way through 11, 12 years old. Mm. So we all, you know, kind of had that exposure of other things that we don't necessarily hear outside of school. Right. But then our teachers were were really just 
fertile and allowed us to just cultivate that's cool build whatever ideas we had they would let us just work that out mm. so i always saw school as a platform as an environment where no it, it can be fun mm. you can try things make the most of the resources around you and that ended up being the backdrop through my entire childhood like i stayed in the orchestra until i graduated yeah high school i was in the jazz band mm. when i um all the way through high school, but I also, you know, got on my. You mentioned Andre Crouch. Yeah, my ver- my very first tour. I think I was twelve with the great James Moore. Wow. And uh, you know, my first record. I think I was. I I think I might have just turned fourteen. Huh. With uh, James Poyser, who you know produced a lot of artists over the next few yeah. years out of that Philly, yeah. you know, sound, you know, for years to come. But it never seemed like I was just doing a bunch of different things that weren't connected. It just felt like all music. Huh. It felt like it was all fun. Why not try it all? Yeah. And like I said, my biggest influence was my mother. Right. So because I always had that environment around me where it was like, try it all. You ain't weird. You know, do it. You know, like you want to give up. You want to stop boxing and <laughs> just keep doing the music. Keep your hands. Do it. And yeah. I didn't feel weird about that. And my friends didn't say that was weird. That. So because of that, man, I think that curiosity, it never felt weird pursuing it all and honestly i didn't know that that would be the thing that i would need kind of just to keep me grounded and keep me moving in a focused way through my adult life Hmm. you know especially when you get out of school you know and i got into college and i had all these interests but you know when you get in you know things are very focused i was a jazz major yeah uh, playing upright bass and electric bass, but I was into composition. I was into films. I was into all these different things, uh, but uh, didn't have the skills for writing it yet, of course. Yeah. And just a platform to, to try that all that just wasn't available in school. However, I always had that person, you know, <laughs> that always encouraged me to try it all. So that's it's really that's the cool. thing, man. Yeah, because I hear this theme like throughout your story of your life that you're telling, right? It's like. So many artists have this these experiences when they go to school where the school is trying to confine them and discourage them. Mm-hmm. But you had it where your teachers were cool, like taught you your basics, but also gave you room to try stuff. Man, absolutely. You like, you know, your mother who's supporting what you're doing. Like some people have their parents who are like, no, nah, you can't be an artist, you mm-hmm. know. So it's really cool to hear like all that support. And I'm telling you, man, that that was I'm glad you said that that ended up being everything for me because yeah. it wasn't just being curious. It was. I didn't know what I didn't know yet. I just knew I had the drive to do it. And yeah. I didn't hear the no's. And now when I think back, you know, I'm reminded sometimes, yeah, remember such and such was like, yeah, they could never see you do it. I, I don't remember uh, that. Like, that was just noise to me. And I, right. I think back, like, why did that not matter? Why can I even not remember? Yeah. Because I it just did not already had a life of those saying, hey, try it, go that for foundation. it. And honestly, taking those, you know, preconceived, what they call risks. Yeah. That was everything for me. And um, I think why I champion the arts so much now and not just allowing resume and hype define, but shoot, no, going out in any moment like this to really speak to my truth Mm -hmm. and talk about even moments I had where I was just afraid, but I kept trying. I think the opportunities that have come has also come for me to also be able to speak about these other things. Because it went hand in hand when I was afraid, but just didn't stop. Hmm. And there were people along my creative life that made made that possible for me. Yeah. You know? you know, I think it's a really interesting thing for somebody 
to come from say like like bass playing to mm-hmm. composing so many things because i think i i saw i met marcus miller once right and he talked about all the things that's the sensei yeah. man Woo! right so he talked about all the things that he had composed and i didn't even know you know what i'm saying yeah like he's present in so many things so much yeah and i was just like oh man like it's it's just a, yeah it's a really interesting thing so it's, mm-hmm. it's i think it's really dope to see um how you started there and then expanded into all the different things that you do you know thank you yeah thank you i on the side note he talked about um marcus miller talked about the jamaica funk song Jamaica mm-hmm. funk. yeah yeah there was a this uh bernard Wright. oh yeah one. okay so I encountered his music in a weird way. It was still in church. He did a few gospel albums. Mm-hmm. They were like uh, in the nineties. It was like him trying to make hymns contemporary. Yeah. So I knew him from that stuff. Okay. Did not know that he was that. That was a Bernard. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. that's amazing. I know, right? And so then later, I was like, "Oh, that's him." And then I discovered he was like uh, one of the musicians on the Jamaica Funk song. Yeah. Too. I was like, "Yo, this dude has a like." He just passed away, I think, last mm-hmm. year, a year and a half ago. Yes, he did. But I was like, "Man, it's just rest in peace." Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing to me how, like, uh, when somebody is, like, fully in that world, they can do so many different things that touch so many different parts of society. Absolutely. And people, like, can know them. From, and I think that's true of your work because you mm-hmm. do, like, um, you, there's such a breadth of, like, all the different places that you touch. Thank you, man. I want to know for you, like, when you're um, approaching music, mm-hmm. is it just, like, cathartic for you? Or are you trying to, like give something to the world healing or is it both you know um first of all let me show love to marcus miller i can't i hear his name mentioned you know i i've got nothing but love for him you know and it's, it was an honor you know last year we did some dual bass shows together oh, nice. and stuff like that he i was super honored to do that with he him he was and, very kind when i met him man. oh he's he's yeah he's just the coolest man nice. um but when I think about, in terms of that curiosity, going back to that for me, Marcus Miller was one of the greatest minds to me because he was doing film score. He yeah. was doing all these different things. Like you know Luther what I mean? Luther Vandross songs. Luther Vandross. Like, yeah, and then go right doing the butt. You know, right. that's, that's so many things people don't right. know is him. Right, right. You know what I mean? Um, but he did, he tried it all and things overlapped. It wasn't within like, you know, separate time. And I, was following his career so closely that breathed life it breathed life into me man yeah. so marcus miller to this day is one of the people that i feel like has just been a champion nice. you know like in my life and then later meeting him and getting a chance to play with him and yeah. how gracious he was with his time again I, I just felt like that wasn't a sign i need to be taking this energy and making sure i'm passing it hmm. you know forward uh but what was so interesting how that ties to your question man um when I ask questions, you know, with heroes like him, yeah, and when I think about how that actually relates to me, I was surprised how similar some of the answers were. Huh. Often, when I'm creating, it's there's a certain appreciation I have for people that are choosing to honor my art and let it speak to them. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm writing my albums for Message of Hope and all these things, when I'm still getting messages to this day about how that might have helped someone's life, right. you know, them to get through. I think what gets me the most is in that moment of creation like i was honestly just trying to get an idea out and the time that i felt was just necessary to happen by all means yeah by any means like whether if it, if it was a voice memo mm. or just getting to my studio and singing the idea out and 
getting it out. There's always been this underlying thing where something about the spirit of this idea is hitting me where I just have to get it out. Right. To the point I'm not even necessarily thinking about, oh, this is going to, people going to love this or even thinking too much about um, how I'm being perceived in the creation of it. It's more so putting on blinders, no matter what, let me just get this idea out. And I think because of that and kind of being naive in a way where, okay, no matter what, we'll land on, land on our feet with something. It's helped the music. When I listen back to it, it, it's, it, I feel it coming from an honest place. Oh no, that's how I really felt yeah. at the time creatively for better or for worse. Mm. That's how I honestly felt just being a servant of the moment. And I think mm. that's been the, that's been the main thing for me. It's like just being a servant of the moment I like that. when it comes time for creating. Yeah. And I, th I think along the way it's, it's, been more of a thing, man, where when people tell me how they're reacting to it and how those moments spoke to them, it's, yeah. it encourages me to keep going with it. And they encourage others to do it in that same way. Like, trust your own voice. Mm -hmm. You know, like my journey, if you're going to music schools and you're doing all this stuff, if you want to, like, you know, be an artist and create, there is no real start date or end date to that. Start now. Right. What is it that you have to say? Right. Be sure to give yourself time to do that, yeah. wherever that is, whether it's sitting there watching ESPN and Stephen A's going off at the time and then you realize, wait, I oftentimes get an idea when I'm sitting <laughs> back, pause that, yeah. turn on your phone, record that idea, because that can sometimes be the beginning of the, the greatest honest spark. So yeah. being willing to trust that, because honestly, you don't know where that'll take you. For me... That has ended up being full-out compositions, mm. you know, now. Or it's been a piece where I'm just kind of beatboxing on my chest and yeah. singing. You I know? love hearing that, man. You know, it's... The process is the same either yeah. way. The Museum of Contemporary Art Denver has a robust schedule of summer programming at our Freeze Building in downtown Denver and the Holiday Theater in the Highlands, from rooftop concerts with local musicians to offbeat interactive lectures with mismatched subjects. B-Side Music Fridays runs every Friday, July 7th through August 25th, 2023, at the MCA Denver Freeze Building. Mixed Taste runs every Wednesday, July 12th through August 16th, 2023, at MCA Denver at the Holiday Theater. It's interesting what you're saying, like, like what is the thing that sort of feeds you essentially like mm -hmm. uh, a big percentage of people who come on the show we've encountered each other on the dance floor like the dance floor is like my thing right okay uh so like if i get stuck on something writing uh i go on the floor in the middle of like my third michael jackson spin <laughs> okay. suddenly it comes clear and, I'm like, right. and, then, and i have to leave the dance floor and like make a note on the phone you that's real because you remember not, not the second spin <laughs> right mid third spin <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got right. you know and then i gotta step off to the side <laughs> right. you know? and i think uh i think people undervalue like being flexible with yourself about the things that feed you and give you a place of creativity you know absolutely i want to ask you uh so do you do this thing so i do this is thing for me where um I purposely avoid drama and bullshit, right? Because mm -hmm. when people try to draw me into that stuff, it feels like they're robbing me of creative energy. Wow. Yeah, like I'm like, the energy that I've wasted on this, I could have been using to create something that mattered to me. Wow. And so if I find like friendships or even romantic relationships in the past mm -hmm. uh, that 
were trying to draw me into a lot of unnecessary conflict. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's the, the act of creation feels divine to me. And if you're pulling me away from it for something that really doesn't matter, yeah, I resent it. You know, and wow. I don't know if you had that experience at all. No, I hear you, man. Yeah. That, that that's a real thing. I think for me, uh, yes and no, man. I, I'll say I think for me, I I, <laughs> I get on people's nerves of talk because I, I, I I'm just positive and smiling all the time and yeah. talk. People get mad at me. Like <laughs> I don't want to hear you giving me the positive. I just wanted to vent. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> but the truth is, um, those experiences, that's all what makes this world what it is. And if I'm true, honest with myself, yeah. both sides have actually fed my creative. You uh -huh. know, I try to be water and 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 the yin and yang and all that how it, it doesn't necessarily often affect my person, like the energy that's around me yeah. in terms of me taking that in and it feeding my mood oftentimes for whatever reason i can separate that uh maybe just from i've seen a lot of things in my life just yeah. on a real side too yeah um and in the midst of conflict in the midst of different types of things you know from love watching you know others dealing with conflict as well seeing that that's actually informed some of my decision making too with my yeah. creative if, if i'm truly honest with myself that pain that I saw experienced, I don't know if I would have noticed it so much if I hadn't been in a situation where I could experience it, separate myself from it and realize, oh, wait, this is this is an underlying pain somebody's coming from. Yeah. This is an underlying thing that they may not know how to deal with. And they're drama, they exude, they're pushing out on me. But wait, there's another story there. What are they dealing with? Mm -hmm. And some of that energy has has led to songs that Mm. I've written in the past that you know may not actually be directly my story. I might I might be channeling an energy I felt, a story yeah, of right. a narrative of someone else right. that that was around me and that energy and that emotion, yeah. almost like I'm writing to film. Yeah, you know. Um, but that process of being water and acceptance, you know, for better or for worse, I think that's that's helped me in my creative journey. But yeah. but not everybody. I will say if I. Because I know energy is real and yeah. taking that in. I know for a fact if if that affected me in a certain way where negativity was going on, I, I know for sure I, I would separate myself from it. Yeah. But for serving me creatively and being true to the moment, sometimes when listening back, I can hear, oh, man, I remember the time I wrote. I wow. remember what happened. That's interesting. That we, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. And then. Then it comes down to decision making. Oh, now I have an opportunity to, tr to try to express that amongst 74 people in the orchestra. Yeah. Who do I want to represent that pain? Do I want to be very obvious in a certain type of way? Or do I want to mask that? Do I want to take that pain and make it sound in a really weird timbre in the heart? Right. Although people think of beauty and no, there's also dirt in there too. Huh. Do I channel that energy there? Yeah. You know, so. It's become a beautiful way of, you know, how do I choose to channel that energy? But the, the biggest thing is accepting it all for me. Yeah. Both sides, the yin and yang. It's, it's really weird, man. Huh, that's cool. It's really weird. Okay. So but true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really dope to hear, like, your perspective on that, man. So, okay, you did the school thing. You were doing tours when you were very young. Mm -hmm. um, when you finished school, how did you make the jump to, like, full-time musician? Or where, where those things kind of already in place for you? Yeah. Um, 
so when I graduated uh, from Temple University, mm. it, I was fortunate. You know, when when I said there were people in my life that you know encouraged me to, you know, be fearless and try things, keep feeding myself, make uncomfortable comfortable. They didn't just say that. They also help while you're doing all this and figuring this out there you got to eat let's let's figure this out and some of my first records when i got out of school was by those same professors terrell huh. stafford put me on those jazz records nice and i used him on uh certain films that i was writing at the time yeah. and writing music for at the time so the relationships directly you know with people in the greater philadelphia area yeah um, I graduated, I was 21, and there was a lot of records happening mm. at that time. So through my senior year of college, those people that were in that environment around me, the James Poisers and all, that's how I, in June, Burvine, that's how I ended up on all those records, yeah. you know, from music and Jill and Floor Tree and all those guys, okay. Anthony Hamill. So it was really just tapping into the environment around me. Yeah. But I didn't, I never stopped feeding that curiosity. So most of the work that came was, you know, performance based, playing the bass, and, yeah. which I love and I'm thankful, but I knew I was still really hearing a sound I want to write for film. So I yeah. just started writing huh. and there was music. I still have that sheet music to this day that I wrote that some a lot, a lot of it's never been played or seen. Hmm. I just started writing it and making up in my mind. This is I'm, I'm writing it as if this is a commission that's going to be turned in yeah. and people are going to see it. And believe it or not, I did. I ended up doing it. It became uh, something I did everywhere I went on tour. I would bring my scores with me. Nice. And believe it or not, that's how I got my first film. I was just about to ask you. One of the musicians, uh, he saw the drummer, Rodney Green, yeah. um, who saw me on tour all the time, always writing, yeah. you know, and my brother Robert Glass, but he used to see me writing yeah. all the time. Uh, Rodney got a gig filling in for the great Terrence Blanchard. Okay. And he said, hey, man, there's Scott is always writing, transcribing all the time. <laughs> all the, like these films, he's like got his headphones on, he's doing it on the plane. Yeah. You might want to meet him. So it ended up being someone else like working on my behalf, you know, like in the moment, I'm just being curious and feeding that curiosity. That, right. That's the thing. You know, like I said, that's been my whole life, the consistent thing through my life. But someone else noticed and he connected me with, you know, someone else. And Terrence Blanchard uh, reached out. I filled in yeah. you know, for a show with him. And then when I got in that band, I just bugged him with questions like every moment I could. And then I just decided I'm going to go to L.A., huh. box up my computer and. Did a one trip, one way trip out there, and I said, I'm just gonna be out there. I'm gonna meet everybody I can. Dope. Letting them know I'm not going anyway. And Terrence Blanchard got me on my first film, uh, uh, Who to Bleep is Jackson Pollock. Okay. And then from there, we did the Levees yeah. uh, film, and that's how things kind of worked in that way. But really, what fed so many of these different things, it, it's, it might seem like different worlds, but it was really just feeding that curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm thankful for how things might look when reading. You know, a resume or something like that. Right. Or, but in the in the end, it was just being curious yeah. <laughs> and feeding that. And mm -hmm. fortunately, things worked out in a way. If I said I made all the right moves and I did this and that's how I worked out, I, I would be lying mm -hmm. to you. Sometimes the answer is just do, try, feed that. Huh. You know, and, and that's how I got into the film writing and the composing. But that other side of me, you know, performing like. That was still happening. So it's like things just, you know, kept working around. And so then it became just a matter of, you know, how do I balance it all? So mm -hmm. that, that's been the challenge ever since.
figuring out a way to balance it. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing. Like, I love hearing you talk about your experience, man, because so many um, people who are, quote unquote, aspiring artists, mm -hmm. the thing that I find is that they are not gentle with themselves. They don't allow yeah. themselves the space to, like, be creative and be curious and fail or succeed. They don't allow themselves that because mm -hmm. um, there's just a lot of uh, fear around all of that. Mm -hmm. And I wonder for you when you're creating things. Yeah. What is it like when you feel fear and then how do you move through it? Um, I'm so glad you asked that because in reality, that's one thing me and so many people I've talked to, like we, we, we share in common that, that that's a very real thing. Yeah. Fear. Yeah. And it's not about saying all the right things like don't fear. Just sometimes the answer is. Like Muhammad Ali was it all the stuff he said in the end, some of those things he said, yeah, it was fear, but I didn't let it control me. Sometimes right. it's knowing it, but just moving forward by any means necessary. Mm. Um, and the act of doing becomes a habit where if you feed that enough, I tell anyone where, you know, they may not know where they want to go creatively with things or they're not sure how to, you know, Weed out the noise. There's so many forms of noise now. It, yeah. it can be the pressure of every 30 minutes a young kid's looking on their phone and right. seeing what other people are doing, seeing how others are marketing themselves and promoting themselves and getting traction. And by doing that so often, it's easy to, you know, not focus on what it is that you want to say. Right. I, I would say in the midst of all of that, okay, acknowledge that at any given day, can be afraid of something and mm. that's perfectly fine try acknowledging that and then tap into it knowing that it may exist you might be surprised where you land hmm. and just be patient with yourself because um i will encourage any person that hears this you know go for it i will listen to ideas you have if you send it to me i will give honest feedback mm. i encourage you to keep trying but in the the, react, the fact of it, the matter is, everybody's not like that. Right. People aren't going to always care in the moment, but none of that can stop you. If you have something to say, say it. If you don't know what you want to say yet, just think about why you're doing it in the first place. NCA Denver at the Holiday Theater is a year-round performance and event space that is an extension of the Museum of Contemporary Art Denver. The Holiday is home to a spectrum of creative expression, including original productions, live music, film screenings, artist talks, and serial programming like Mixed Taste and Cinema Azteca, as well as performances and events presented by other cultural organizations. The theater is also available for private rentals. Visit mcadenver.org forward slash holiday dash theater to learn more. Yeah, so with fear, it's acknowledging that. that yeah. That's a very real thing. Now what? Right. And after, the sooner you get to that question, whoever you are, the moment you start asking that question and try to find answers, sometimes the, the, the act of doing and trying eliminates that distraction of even letting your mind's thoughts influence your activity. Or mm. Now, because sometimes... The answer is be afraid and have all those questions, but not stopping and then landing on your feet with an idea that was so beautifully you yeah. because you created mm. from that space that the only thing that stopped that would have made that not happen is you not doing. Mm -hmm. 
you're not always going to create in a space where you're just feeling the most positive, where you, about yourself or anything, but just do. And I guarantee if you're willing to go through that fear, and sometimes the fear is <laughs> when you create being willing to listen to what came of that. But I challenge anyone that's into it, you know, beyond music with yeah. anything, um, you know, with great creative minds like yourself as well, you can say that even from, you know, art itself, like try it and don't be afraid to look at what you see mm -hmm. and then do that next step. Do it again and do it again and do it again. And that's the thing you can control to any creative. I would say just start with really acknowledging it's OK to be afraid. Yeah. But go move. Do. Right. If you're feeling a certain way about yourself, turn that voice memo on and say these thoughts huh. about yourself in that phone. Okay. It, the ugly truth that you may perceive as the ugly truth, yeah. speak it. Let it out. Deal with that. And whether you want to listen to it when you're done or not, that's your choice. But at least you gave space to that. Mm -hmm. Now you're acknowledging, okay, I've given space to that. I don't care how old or young you are. That's something you can do. Now let's put this aside and let me get to what do I what do I want to do? What am I curious about? Yeah. What have I recorded? Let me go back and listen to it. What's wrong with it? What do I feeding all those questions? It puts a very beautiful set of blinders on you mm -hmm. that's going to get you to something that's honestly you, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And that's what the hope is. Like, get to something honest, to something that's real. And that's what you can control. And in doing that, the, that's music. Right. The music business. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Right. You know, um, but what you can control is getting ideas out that are honestly you and you being the source of cultivating it. Hmm. That can become infectious. And that's what you can control. No one will ever, I don't care how many people in this world, no one will ever fully sound like you or yeah. do art that's exactly like you. Even if you're channeling all of your influences, you think your art might be. When you look back, you'll be like, man, I thought I was doing myself. And I listened <laughs> to myself. Oh, man, I'm hearing, man, I, my sound was just like Marcus Miller on this. <laughs> I, was, I guess he was a bigger influence to me than I, but that was unapologetically me in the moment. Right. Let me do this next song. Let me figure this out. Mm. Before you know it, you have 30 songs or something. And then it's like, okay, what do I want to do with this body of work? But no matter what, it was honest. Be unafraid to just be honest and deal with that fear. Yeah, I love I love the way yeah. you think about and approach art, man. It's really dope. I, I think um, that that vulnerability, that gentleness with yourself. After doing this for uh, this show for a few seasons, mm -hmm. talking with a lot of artists and asking that specific question, yeah, the general consensus is to recognize that fear is part of the process of creating art. It is, but you can't let it stop you. You know, and uh, I really. I love hearing all the different ways that the different people I talk to yeah. find their way through it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's it. Yeah. Acknowledgement and finding a way through it. Yeah. Or realizing, hey, I'm in the midst of still finding my way through it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay. Like nothing's wrong with it's you okay. fulfilling fear, mm -hmm. you know, but you can't let the fear make the decisions. Wow. Okay. Now I wish I worded it. <laughs> all that stuff I just said. Yeah. What? Yeah. What he said. <laughs> I was thinking about how like when what he said. Word. <laughs> I was thinking about how like when a deer is caught in headlights, right? Like out of fear they freeze, but that actually puts them in more danger because you know because they stop because fear made a decision, right? Mm -hmm. They stop. Yeah, I've been thinking about uh, you know I don't talk about it a lot on this thing on this podcast, but you know 
uh, I used to rap. I used to hire jazz musicians to back me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, what it was like in the late 90s, early 2000s, the, the external obstacles to making music was like I had to save up five to seven G's for like a MPC mm-hmm. sampler or, you know, another 10 G's to get in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were all these sort of like things that I had to work towards. Whereas now, like, you know, you can pretty much do it all on your phone, you know, if you're really industrious. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to, because I, I guess I, at that age, I thought that the external obstacles were what was stopping me and my friends from doing things. Mm-hmm. But now that things are so much, uh, there's so, there are a lot f- fewer external obstacles mm-hmm. to create. To create. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the, the business, as you mentioned, yeah. is a whole different thing. <laughs> Uh, but the people, so now, like, it's just like, all you gotta do is create. Mm-hmm. And now I see how much fear is gripping people. So that that's why that's a really important question to me. It you know? really is, man. Yeah. It really is. So uh, I'm interested in hearing how you balance art and commerce, right? Because, uh, you know, some people, some people believe that art has no value if you can't make a living off of it. Of course, I, I don't agree with that. I think mm-hmm. art has value just because it's art. But if you want to make a living out of off of it, then there are things you have to do to approach it differently. So uh, for you as a creative person who's making a living at what you do, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, what are your thoughts about how to balance that for people? Yeah, you know, for me, uh, I realized early that part of what speaks to people in, with my art mm-hmm. uh, is, is coming from a place where um, I, I thought everything, I created was from an honest place, but sometimes very, very vulnerable moments where mm-hmm. I'm creating. And oftentimes those are the moments that people respond to mm-hmm. over the years to come. And uh, because of that, I knew that was part of my creative purpose. Okay. I have to keep feeding that. And because of that, I knew in order for me to tap from that space, I have to work with blinders on at times where I'm really focused on just giving something honest to the world Mm -hmm. and then see where we go from there. Knowing that I've been afforded the opportunity to be in the music business, to sustain myself and to now have a family, you have no choice but to think about that other side. Right. You know, while you're being unapologetic with yourself and being creative, you know, life is happening. Right. Uh, So for me, it was a decision. How Am I going to choose to be unapologetically in the moment yet acknowledge and move in this business itself? And I chose to do both. Mm. You know, and for me, that answer was, okay, make sure I understand about writing and, you know, writing as much as possible, uh, you know, owning what as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, but a big thing, writing and understanding. On the performance side, the music business is it's, it's a people business, mm-hmm. you know. So, oftentimes, if you start by just not working to be, you know, great at, at what you do, but also not burning bridges, right? <laughs> be surprised that is actually one in the music business that is one of the greatest tools that anybody you know could have mm-hmm. right now. And I don't mean you know sucking up to people and all that stuff. No, I just mean you know be your true self. But also work within this business with a certain empathy and a, a certain level of respect for any situation mm. you're in. I chose to honor each situation. A lot of financial breakthroughs that happened for me came from moments where I wasn't even thinking about the money. It was just about you know creating a product mm. 
and valuing a relationship, you know, and things worked out financially from that. So how do I honor? Okay, for my journey, it was really, you know, relationship based. How yeah. do I keep that and value that and make sure I'm owning as much of the situation that I can and then see where that takes me. Mm-hmm. And ownership for me and the writing side of it, that's kind of been, you know, the thing that has allowed me to be able to still give the time, you know, to yeah. write and think, you know, and approach things in a very fearless way where I'm not necessarily, where I'm not chasing right. mainly what's like happening around me, you know, in a way, allowing that all to inform my decision because those that's the world we're in, you mm-hmm. know, but not allowing that to just affect my art and my creative. It's yeah. been that balance of, okay, in the meanwhile, let me write and make sure, you know, I own as much as I can. And, and I give love. I, we started just talking about the Marcus Millers mm-hmm. and the Terrence Blanchards. Yeah. Uh, those were things that I saw early with them. Terrence Blanchard, you couldn't even be in his band and write, you know, he and his his wife, who was his manager at the time, uh, you know, Robin Burgess, they made sure, like, no, you got 100% writers of anything you did. Huh. They helped me get my publishing administrating set up, my publishing all together. Yeah. When I didn't even know yet all the way what I needed to be working on, you know? Yeah. So uh, I'm thankful that people were helping, you know, putting me on game in that way, yeah. too. But I would say the first thing, Try to own what you can. And the, the beauty of it is creatives now, they have so many ways of creating. They don't have, they they can, you know, work with different people now, but really you can start creating now. Yeah. You don't have to s- split all this stuff because, you know, you just want to get into a certain studio to work with somebody. No, right. you can record right on your laptop. You, yep. while, you know, while you're on a plane, you know, <laughs> right. all this stuff. So I would say- uh, never think it's too early to start registering as much as music that you have, huh. documenting it. If you like, I keep mentioning voice memos, but all all these ways of documenting ideas wow. that, that's actually documenting ideas and time stamping it. Hmm. Don't be afraid to do that. Uh, for instrumentalists, the biggest thing I say: uh, don't burn the bridge. It, it kind of works in reverse. I've seen many ones. Once they get the golden opportunity, they blow it by not necessarily understanding fully uh, what is perceived as their value financially in the market. So they ask for something that they are unaware that many aren't even getting, you know. So then they show the ignorance there and then go off on people and then burn a bridge to that. I've seen that. And understanding is a people business and maneuvering and not blowing and wasting your money i think for me that was the biggest thing i stopped wasting much like spending money on all kind of things here and there or the flash of things oh, i yeah. decided instead you know to invest in my npc right you know and get my laptops and get my you know mic pre's and spend all this money on all that stuff when others were saying you know hey look man you gotta <laughs> right. look a certain way right i understand that too but I decided to just keep investing so I could feed that curiosity, which right. for me was film scoring. Yeah. And that ended up being some of the best investments. So that when the when they said, Hey D, I see you hustling, I'm putting you on your first film this week. Nice. I'm like, oh, I have my laptop here. Right. I, I mean I'm a, I have my Mac G five at the time <laughs> right. here and I'm willing to create. And that started with an investment into yourself. 
So I, I tell people, no matter what they're doing, oftentimes be willing to invest in themselves early and be frugal. Like start with something that is very, so don't be afraid to work. Yeah. Don't be afraid to take a job. Some of the greatest creators that are living, if you go back in their story, they had jobs. They did this right. and that. Like be willing by any means necessary to do what you feel like you need to do to feed that curiosity. And that sometimes requires thinking outside the box, not thinking you're a failure because you're not making 100% of your money from the music business. Right. That may come, huh. but be willing to see yourself as an entity where you no know, something else can fuel that. Something else that you're doing, an investment that you're doing, learning about money and an investment, that could end up fueling your mm. music where you can make unapologetic decisions later in the music business. Yeah. So be willing to think in those ways, not necessarily how do I make the most money by charging the most from one specific thing. This is great, man. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, so I've only been writing like five or six years and um, figuring out these things. It's a really interesting thing to so many uh, people that I talk to who have uh, who are creatives in any arena. Mm -hmm. There's a, I find like one of the biggest problems is not knowing what exactly you want, like not having a clear goal. Yeah. Like what is success for you? You know, yeah. like as a writer, is success for you getting published by a major publisher or is it making a living? Because those are not always the same thing, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. so like the stuff you're talking about where like, because, you know, some people do music because of the flash. They want the yeah. attention and stuff like that. You're talking about investing in your equipment, investing mm -hmm. in the things that will allow you to sustain the business of music. And because your goal was to make music. That was my, yeah. yeah. The way that I like making yes, music. Yes, right. In a way that was like whole and true to you. Yes. And so I think like uh, what I hear in what you're saying is that it's very important to identify what represents a certain level of success for you and then make decisions that guide you towards that absolutely and then once you reach that there's another one like you know there's it is not like a like a you've reached it it's not like a you're yeah. finished <laughs> you know yeah. like, it's a whole life journey yeah and and i gotta say you you mentioned something that i failed to say that's been one of the biggest things for me that i thought i'm putting pride aside mm -hmm. i thought didn't make much of a difference and i thought in my mind things were clear. Mm -hmm. I thought in my mind, you know, given goals in a certain moment, I thought it was clear. Yeah. But I was encouraged. Like, they stop talking about it. Write it down. Uh. Write something down. Like, like I'm speaking about speaking things in the voice. For me, yeah. it was, I, I, list, I started to listen. Like, let me just write these ideas down. Mm -hmm. Like, thoughts that where I feel like I am now, what do I want to do? Write it. But what I think is so clear, when I wrote it out, it was like, huh. It, it, first of all, it it made it real how I saw my reality. Yeah. And it made it real how unclear in certain ways what I wanted to happen, mm -hmm. you know, was. And it was like, oh, man, writing it down helped me so much. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I encouraged, like, it doesn't even matter the extent. Just start by being willing to write down what you think you want to do yeah and where you think you want to go what you think are your obstacles what you think are things that are already working for you who are the people in your life that can help you get to that mm -hmm. all write things down i like that that's a, that's a yeah because i feel like when it's in your your emotions in your mind it's like trying to grab water right like man it's, it's so formless but when you put it down 
it becomes a tangible thing that you can evaluate and be like, is this realistic? How can I make it realistic? You know, like all the stuff you just talked about. Yeah. And even sometimes once writing it down, seeing, oh, man, OK, that's part of who I am, too. Writing something down, that doesn't feel realistic. Yeah. But I'm not erasing it. Right. I'm going to see what, you know, nice. and that, too. Yeah. But it took me writing it down. To help me not be scatterbrained and right. you know all of a sudden now and I that that idea is gone. I didn't realize it was gone. Right. I forgot I even had the idea in the first place. For me, so many things changed when I, I wrote things. I yeah. started writing things down. Yeah. Okay, brother. So you uh multiple tours, multiple mm-hmm. albums, uh movie TV scores. What what's next for you? Like where you, where you wanna go? Man, I'm thankful right, right now on. for all for all that is has happened. Um, I feel like that's it's all led to a space now to just feed in a very clear way that my life is about giving. Yeah, and making sure I'm I'm providing an environment and a platform for other creatives huh. to be fearless. Yeah, and be free and be themselves. And uh, movement now with Color of Noise, which was the name of my last album, which okay. is also reflecting this movement attached huh. to everything that I'm doing, which is about acceptance of self and self love. And allowing what you think of yourself and whatever people think of you, like throw that all into a melting pot and just allow opinions to be and just be and move. Mm-hmm. Color of noise mainly though is about me not just speaking it, making sure any opportunity that I have, I'm now outreaching and making sure those that want to be a part of it know that they can be fearless and work yeah. on whatever they want to do within that frame. So. I'm excited. I have a Color of Noise tour going through August when I'm, you know, touring with the band. Some of the musicians on the record, Color of Noise, I had just met 10 minutes before we recorded. Wow. You know, uh, which was really about that spirit of self-love and yeah. acceptance. So, we, you know, we've been touring that, not just speaking about it and having a cool album, but making sure the members of the band reflect that acceptance, self-love, yeah. what they have to say. And that whole album was done in first takes, Oh, you yeah. know, so... Putting that all out there, I'm trying to, you know, really honor that. So with the Color of Noise Orchestra that we're putting together right now, uh, it's all in an attempt to reflect all that. So we're going to have performances going starting in 2024. You know, I'm thankful to have been working with a lot of symphonies, you know, over the years. But now, uh, aside with continuing to do that, uh, this Color of Noise platform, musicians will be able to come work with me, play my music and perform with different artists do recordings with me. Yeah. Um, and we're now working on actually having a tangible space huh. where I can actually work on my music. People can watch, be a part. Huh. Uh, outside of the music school system, like I want to actually be an environment for them all to be able to come and be free. We teach and then I also spend an hour a day even just listening yeah. to ideas that people have. So I want people to look out for that. Everything is just connected to color of noise, that yeah. brand, that idea. So. I gotta say, man, hearing your life's journey, mm-hmm. the c- color noise feels like a natural evolution of everything that you've been doing in your life. You know, like that that thing about like I keep saying, being gentle with yourself. You're saying self acceptance. Mm-hmm. That that thing of being curious and being like open and giving and feeding like, it. Yeah, it yeah. feels like it all has led to this. So that's really dope to hear that it's all kind of come together. Man, in this dope thank way. you, thank you. And, and like I was saying, that that I feel like it's not by coincidence. Like. Mm. If it was a plan that I, I I can't honestly say the steps that have happened and certain things that have happened, you know, uh, that have gained attention 
the timing of it was not something that I always planned for, you know, yeah. but I think about the opportunities that happened within it. Oh, it wasn't just about that. It was also showing up early and realizing there was somebody there yeah. that had been waiting to just let me hear something they're working on for 10 minutes. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then that song ends up two years later yeah. being picked up and people are listening to it on the radio all the time, you know, right. because of that and realizing that was part of my story. Yeah. You know, somebody had to reach back and put me on my first tour when I right. was in college. I feel like it's all led to this moment. You and know, first, to not first just tour when you were twelve. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it it's crazy. It's, it's so I feel like this is a natural evolution. I'm glad right. it's coming across that way because from here on out, man, it's about feeding that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on a side note, what brought you out west? My wife is from Denver. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. So. We were in LA, we had our first child and no family. Yeah. Us. I was flying her here every time. Like right. I went on tour and uh, we said, let's try it. Yeah. And I'm so glad, man. We oh, moved here. I've been here uh, eight years now. Okay. Nice. And I love it, man. Yeah. Denver's cool. Everybody's yeah. chill, you know. Same. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like it's not the place to go, like if I needed cultural validation. Yeah. <laughs> but I grew up in an all black city, you know. Same. Yeah. But, yeah. but what I love is uh, that it, the art scene, all the art scenes, mm -hmm. they're all very supportive, like different cliques, they all show up and support each other. Yeah. It's a beautiful place to be creative. And I'm discovering that actually now. Yeah. I'm, I'm discovering that more and more now. And even the underlying, like the, the cultural thing, there are a lot of, you know, transplants that are here. Yeah. And when I actually get even knowing people and getting known people in the neighborhood, it's like, okay, a lot of people are here that want that. Mm. But there is sometimes everybody's kind of spaced out, you know, you, you might not even know your neighbor, right. you know, is connected to all this stuff. Yeah. So I, I'm excited and I'm excited for even platforms like this to speak about it because I to see where we can go with Color of Noise here and galvanizing, you know, so many and just opening the eyes. Hey, there is a platform where people can just come, an environment, people can just come and be. Yeah. If they want to come and just do art while I'm in the next room working on something, yeah. they can do art all day and- if that leads to conversation, it's the creative, and then we go from there. That's how you know true cultural moments happen. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. I, I see an opportunity here in Denver at the same time because on the surface, it does seem like that the cultural thing might be lacking, but I think there's promise there. Word. Yeah. Huh. All right. So I like to wrap up with uh, two questions. The first is where can people find you, connect with you online, website, whatever. Absolutely. People can find me on DerekHodge.com. Right on. Um, uh, social media handles. IG is just D Hodge World. Uh, Twitter, Derek Hodge. Facebook, official Derek Hodge. Nice. And, uh, you know, on any one of those platforms, they can kind of just join on. Oh. Just be a part of my journey. Okay. And definitely being clear with everything we have going on in the future. And I'm excited about it. Yeah, man. Yeah. It sound, I'm excited about it. Honestly, it sounds dope. Thank you, brother. Uh, last question is, what is inspiring you creatively these days? Music, books, movies, like what What have you been digging? What has been feeding you? What's been feeding me now is just the, the cultural moments that I've had an opportunity to be involved in huh. with over the last two years and really choosing to just feed that and figuring out ways to just feed that no matter what. Yeah. You know, with last year in particular, you know, with the Oscars and the Grammys and yeah. Super Bowl and all that stuff. I'm so thankful, but to have been able to create for that stuff right here in Denver, right. Colorado, those scores, um, realizing that that that's going out into the world like that, 
it's just pushed me to just pursue this color of noise thing and make sure that people all the way know that's happening and that things aren't necessarily happening in the biggest studio in LA. Like you see, like it's all reflected to my story. Yeah. Self-acceptance. You can write this stuff while in the coffee shop. Right. You know, um, and I felt like I just wasn't doing enough to make that clear. Like the way ideas have happened that people are celebrating, you know, it's happened in a very modest way. So now it's just, okay, how do I make sure that's clear? Mm. How do I create more moments? You know, to make sure that people are seeing my process and how I'm doing it. Yeah. Now, I love it. It feels like you're creating an environment for more creativity to take place. And Absolutely. it feels like that's like where like the Harlem Renaissance came from. Or like Man. any movement where there's a group of people, like even the beat poets, right? Like there's a group mm -hmm. of people who find a, an environment where they can be creative together and then something beautiful grows out of it. Absolutely. And it feels like you're sowing the seeds for that, which is really dope. Oh man, listen, I'm, I'm putting it to test, man. We, <laughs> we brothers now, I'm gonna bug you. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna get together, you know, but I feel like I'm glad it's coming across that way because that's the hope. Yeah. Just to make sure people know that these moments that they're celebrating, I appreciate it and likes and all that, but in reality, I wanna support and make sure they know, okay, how it happened. Yeah, yeah. How it happened. Right on. Yeah. I think that's where we're going to end, brother. I'm excited. Hey, brother. I really appreciate you talking to me. It's been a really dope conversation, man. Oh, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. Right I on. appreciate you. Hey. Special thank you to today's guest, Derek Hodge. Thank you to the listeners. If you're not already, please be sure to subscribe to How Art Is Born wherever you get your podcasts for more episodes. And if you can, leave a review. It really helps out. Check out MCA Denver on YouTube and subscribe to the channel to watch the video version of this podcast and get behind the scenes clips from today's episode. Visit MCA Denver's current exhibitions, Tamashi Jackson Across the Universe and Anna Sularkis, Indigenous Absurdities. How Art is Born is produced and edited by Dele Johnson and executive produced by Courtney Law. Additional thanks to Rachel Grammis for their work on marketing support for this episode. Hey, if you love How Art Is Born, there's another podcast that I think you should check out. It's called Off The Walls, and it's all about the people and stories behind Denver's street art. In each episode, you'll meet artists, activists, and other Denverites to explore some powerful murals around town and why they matter. Find Off The Walls from Denverite and Colorado Public Radio wherever you get podcasts.